Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. Why you may not need to run 20 miles in your marathon training buildup. One of the most common questions that we hear athletes when they start a marathon training cycle is, how many 20 milers will I be doing before my big marathon race? There is nothing magical about that 20-mile long run. Let's dig a little bit deeper as to why that is considered the norm. The most important thing to consider when training for anything would be your individual differences as an athlete. Every single person and every single athlete is different. Everyone has a different natural ability, training experience, and goals. You need to train specific for your background, not someone else's. There is a such thing as a point of diminishing returns. That is the point where training is no longer productive and you're actually being counterproductive when you go past that point. So we just kind of wanted to dig into maybe why this 20 mile long run is uh, considered the norm uh, for marathon training cycles and why some people do, you know, six of them in a training cycle and why some people do none of them. Um, So I guess... I am here with Jason Phillippe, who is a coach here at Run for PRs. He also has several marathons under his belt. He's a two-time Boston marathon finisher with a 249 PR on that course. Um, he is a very experienced marathon coach. He's been doing marathons for almost a decade now, and he's helped a lot of athletes um, become first-time Boston qualifiers, as well as just beginner athletes um, run their first marathon. So he's worked with a wide range of athletes, um, you know, from more elite to very beginner. And this topic is interesting because the answer does vary for everyone. You know, some people are going to do multiple 20 mile long runs and some people just aren't going to do any. Um, And that's okay. And you're still going to end up on that start line feeling fresh and healthy. And so I'm going to dive in with Jason here and kicking things off, kind of just getting to know each other. I always think it's really fun to hear like antidotal personal experience when it comes to marathon training and stuff. Um, Jason, how many marathons have you done? And have you ever had a marathon training cycle, you know, even at your, um, you know, sub elite level of, you know, running in the 240s for marathons? Uh, have you ever had a marathon training cycle where you personally don't run the 20 mile long run? Yeah, so I think I, I lost track here. I'm either at nine or ten for marathons completed. And um as far as my training for long runs, I typically have only ran um twenty miles a handful of times. And so for one marathon in particular, um I know that I did two and I think that was for Boston actually, the the year I ran two forty nine. Um but you know, regardless of reaching that distance, if I would have ran eighteen, I still would have been just as fit. My workouts and my weekly mileage were consistent over time and I think that's what helped prepared me. Um, to run well at Boston. Um, previously, I did uh, my first marathon. I my longest run was only eighteen uh, miles, and I ran I think a two fifty eight. So, you know there there is some um, truth to the fact that you don't need to run twenty miles to be, to be prepared for a marathon. And I know that sometimes people, it's all going to be about how how experienced you are as a marathoner, right? So if I was going to train for a marathon now, it'd be like my tenth or eleventh marathon. 
Um, I would only probably do a 20 miler if my training's going well and I am healthy. So I wouldn't necessarily do 20 miles. Let's say I have a setback in there somewhere where I have to take time off um, due to a minor injury. I'd probably rethink, you know, the the need to run a 20 miler. And so that's where I think that we as coaches really help athletes um, focus on what training is going to be best for you to prepare you to get to the, the starting line uh, healthy on race day. It's not necessarily important that you've check the boxes on completing one or two 20 mile runs. I know we see on social media, people sometimes do that or do three or four, however many. And so it, it just remember we're all on our own journey and it's, it's, it's all about kind of how experienced you are, what you've done in the past and what your body can handle. Right. I think that's a lot of really good um, advice there. And the biggest takeaway that I'm hearing is, you know, you see the the training plan set out for you. You know, you can go on Google right now and search marathon training plan. And I can almost guarantee you that every single one that you're going to pop up for free on the internet is going to include at least one 20 mile long run. And I think what you're saying here is that, you know, that's in a vacuum, right? Like we all have lives. We all have um, different reactions to training, right? Um, some of us really make modifications to the schedule. Some of us follow it to the T and our bodies just react perfectly, right? Like that's in the ideal situation, right? And maybe, you know, you run at the perfect pace and we'll talk about um, why sometimes if you're going over a certain time limit later in this podcast, why it's actually, you know, you're putting more risk on your body than reward. And we'll kind of talk about the, what that pace sweet spot is. So there are some people where it works out perfectly. Um, they follow the plan to the T perfect, no problems, but there are other times where it's like the feedback that you get through all the training is, um, you know, I'm feeling a little bit more fatigued and you just have to make certain tweaks. And, um, we'll talk a little bit more about, you know, the specifics that go into that. But I think the biggest takeaway hearing you, I know that you mentioned you ran, you know, 220 milers and that build up to your 249. Um, but actually, that's not even your marathon PR. Uh, you ran your marathon PR at Chicago, um, a 246. So those are two very um, comparable times, in my opinion. Uh, how did you train for your 246 PR and um, with the 20 milers? And how did you feel during both of those? Because I know one of the biggest problems is people are like, well, I want to feel strong at the end of a marathon, right? So how did um, your training compare and how did you feel for both of those races yeah for the 246 uh, that was at chicago and i i think i only did this was before garmin so again we're just going off of estimated based on your pace so we ran somewhere between 19 and 20 that day um but you know then my longest run besides that was probably like an 18 and then maybe a 16 so i didn't do that many long runs over 15 miles just probably three and um, you know, I had a pretty good summer of, of just consistency. I did a few other races, so I felt like my fitness was there and I didn't need to do, I'm not a notoriously high mileage person to begin with. So I just figured that that one twenty mile run would kind of give me what I needed. Um, and you know, as far as like thinking about my other marathons and it, it's, it, whenever you're going to do 20 miles, right, you're going to have to think about your training the week leading up to that run. And then the week after that run, it's so important because, the recovery that goes into it. And, you know, if you have a really heavy week going into that 20 mile run, that may be the tipping point to, um, producing an injury afterwards. If you, if you stay out there too long, you run 20 miles when you should have probably cut it short at 16 or 17. And I've done that before. I think I've done good at adjusting my long run in the moment and realizing like, Hey, you know, I'm not going to push it these last three miles. Um, and then thinking about the week after too, that's something that I, I think it's more beneficial if you can run 17, 18, and then recover. And then five to seven days later, you're able to do it like a nine or 10 mile solid workout with some marathon pace work. That's to me more beneficial for you and going to prepare you for your marathon as opposed to running a 20 or 21 miler and just being shot for a week to, you know, 14 days. And then, 
your your next workout doesn't go so well. And so I think it's it's better to sometimes think of take the less is more approach. Um, you know, and obviously if we're experienced with those twenty milers and we've had success in previous marathons, um, and we know plenty of people out there who have, those are going to be the the people who probably you see doing more than one or two in a cycle and it may work for them. Um, but as far as beginning marathoners, I'd say I would take the cautious approach and do less is more. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's important to remember, you know, everyone's different and some of these rules that we're going to cover are going to kind of explain um, a little bit more into detail and people can really put it into perspective with their own personal training. And you, I mean, for someone who was running a 246, it's almost like virtually unheard of that someone would only do, you know, one 20 miler. A lot of people will, you know, they, they, they think more, um, the more twenties you can get in the better. And really the thing is that like, it's not just about the long run, right? So there's other things that are going into your training. And when there's too much focus on that one long run, sometimes that we see athletes are actually um, not focusing on the rest of the training, and then they're not actually getting in to the best possible shape that they can be on race day. So, you know, I've had people where I I look at their past historic training, and it'll be like, you know, they did a couple of short runs during the week, like maybe a three or five mile hour, but they spent the rest of that whole week um, recovering every single week from the long run because they were um, so like trashed from it that they, they couldn't rebound. And so there were no workouts really during the week where they were having any sort of quality session that I would call a quality session, um, just kind of shorter mileage. And the emphasis for them was on that long run. Um, and so that's actually kind of working against you because there's a lot of benefit to doing more of those, you know, medium long runs and doing more threshold work during the week, because that's really going to get your fitness in, um, the best possible shape that you can be for a race. Um, obviously doing long runs is going to help you be able to run long, but if you really want to run to your potential in the marathon, it's important to, you know, work on all of the things, not just, you know, focusing on the long run. But also that's important as we kind of dive into the first point here. There's a couple rules we're going to kind of go over. And this first one is the 10% rule. And so people might be like, what? 10% of what? Um, This is your weekly mileage should not increase by more than 10% any week during a marathon training cycle. So let's say you're looking at your plans online. You're trying to figure out your training plan. You have to keep in mind that week after week, you don't want to be increasing your weekly mileage by any more than 10% every week. Um, And even adding in there, you know, you're going to have cutback weeks uh, once a month. So three out of the four weeks, you can increase by 10%. And that's a max. So that's the maximum. We don't recommend doing that every week. That's just where you're capping it. Um, So you want to make sure that your program is starting where you are and has a slow, steady, progressive overload. So if you're currently not running more than, you know, 15, 20 miles a week, um, you really need to focus on building that mileage slowly. Um, That's part of the marathon training cycle. And so you want to make sure you're doing that kind of across the board and not just sticking, oh, you know, like I'm going to run five miles, three miles, and then, you know, 15 miles at the end of the week, right? You have to make sure it, it makes sense across the board. Um, and so what are some of your advice for people in terms of mileage? Do you think mileage matters when it comes to marathon training? Is that something that a lot of people kind of, um, underplay? How does that all work together with like accumulative fatigue and training your body to go the distance on race day? Yeah, I think, um, you know, when we talk about mileage and we talk about long runs and workouts and all that, we, we've talked about stress variables in the past. And I know that 
we want to approach a marathon cycle as if um, we're starting with kind of what you've been doing. So we don't want to just like jump in and increase, you know, your mileage and your long runs all at once because that's a recipe for burnout and for injury. But I think um, we're, you know, depending on what you've been doing in the past, we probably want to ease you in as far as a mileage increase. And it may look different for everyone. Some people might run four days a week. We've written plans for people. I three to four days a week, I'd say I've done. And most people I would say do five for a marathon training cycle. So for five days a week, the average number of miles are probably around 30 to 35. It kind of depends. But, you know, when we think about that number and the 10% rule, there's not much room there to go much more than two to three miles a week um, additional, just because if you do, again, you're increasing the risk for injury, burnout, and you're not, your your harder workout sessions aren't going to go as well. So I think that it's best to be very consistent over time. And that's really the secret to, um, you know, and even if that marathon, the, the marathon cycle in the, in the near future, if that doesn't go your way, that doesn't mean that you're still not setting yourself up for success afterwards. So I know a lot of people like to do one, maybe two marathons a year. So, um, I just think that the, you know, the, the best approach for my athletes and for myself has typically been like a two week build followed by a one week cutback. Um, if you're more experienced, you might be able, and you're not an injury prone runner, you might be able to handle a three week build, like you said, but, um, I've even had athletes do one week build one week cutback. So it's kind of like on and off weeks just to make sure that your body's getting the time to adjust and adapt. Right. Mileage build is so tricky. And I think we've done an entirely separate podcast on how to build your mileage, when to know it's time. Um, But even like for athletes like myself, um, usually on my off season, I'm running 40 miles a week. And when I do get into a marathon training cycle, I'm not really going to exceed. Like I'm going to build to a certain point and I'm not going to exceed that because I've experienced uh, enough races and training buildups where I know like once I hit a certain mileage, um, there's this law of diminishing returns. And we've done a podcast on that as well, where it's like you run over that number and actually you don't see any returns and the risk for injury kind of goes up. And that that number is going to be different for everyone. um, And it varies by experience, age, all of these things. And sometimes it even changes. Um, Like I used to be able to get away with running a lot more mileage than I did because I didn't have kids and maybe I was younger and all of those things, um, life stress, it all plays a role because you can only run as much mileage as you can recover from. So it, it doesn't make any sense to increase your mileage if you're not adequately recovering from it. Um, signs that, you know, you might be doing a little bit too much. We've gone over a little bit before, but you know, when your legs just constantly feel tired, fatigued, if you're not able to hit your workout paces, um, if you're suffering from insomnia, uh, there's just a, or if you're always getting sick, there's so many ways to, to figure out if you're, um, kind of towing the line of overtraining, but we'd rather have you be a little bit more cautious with the mileage than see like how high you can go. Um, and I also like to not increase by too much, right? So if you start with us and, and you're only running 30 miles a week and you've never ran more than 35 miles a week. Um, I'm probably not going to let you peak at more than like 45, maybe, maybe 50. And that's if we have like a six month build because it's just, it's just too much to, you know, almost say, oh, we're almost going to like double your mileage. Um, that's a, that's a big load and you have to know kind of what you're asking your body to do. And, you know, you see a lot of people and they're training on social media. You see it on Strava. Um, and it's really easy to get caught in that comparison trap, but it's really important to understand that like each athlete is different. And just because you have someone on Strava, that's about the same fitness level as you running week after week, 50, 60 miles a week. Um, you have no idea kind of like what their background is. And even if you say, Oh, like they've been running the same amount of time as me. 
again, like genetically, you don't know how they're built. You don't know how their life um, and their recovery is set up. And you also don't know like kind of what their background was before they started running. Um, some of these people might've been swimmers in college and in high school. So it's just really important to understand like your training is yours alone. And that's why some of these guides on the internet, you know, they're, they're great for guides, like a skeleton, but you can't follow it. Like it's, you know, written in stone. Um, this is exactly how it's supposed to be because really, uh, marathon training cycles are supposed to be super dynamic and they're supposed to be really custom to you. Um, and really focused on how you're feeling on the week to week and kind of giving the feedback. And that's the best way that you're going to be able to figure out the approach that works best for you. Um, so that's kind of the first rule, that 10% rule. Um, and that's kind of where a lot of people are going to get stuck and they're going to realize like, wow, like, my mileage is really peaking at, you know, 45 miles a week instead of, you know, 60, like this plan says. Um, and I think the biggest thing to look for then we can kind of add in this next rule. So rule number two is that your long run volume should not be more than 35% of your total weekly mileage. And so what does that mean? So your long run cannot exceed more than 30% of your total weekly mileage. So if you're running 60 miles a week, 30% of that is 20 miles. So taking that in for a second, yes, that means if you're not hitting 60 miles a week or close to it, then we're probably not going to be running a 20 mile long run, right? So you really have to think why and why is this a rule, right? Why are we doing this as a rule? The reason is if you put too much of a load on one day, it takes too long to recover from it, right? You have to spread the volume out over time. Um, if you're doing like, if you did 50% of the total work you're going to do for the week on one day, you'd be exhausted, right? Think about if you did that, like for your regular job, let's say you had to like work 20 hours one day, like you had to do like an all nighter, you would spend the rest of the week, like recovering from that and all of the things, um, it's the same thing with running. Like you don't, you can't like exceed too much. Otherwise you're getting to the point where you're compromising, um, your next week's workouts, um, and other things that are going to be involved with the training. And it's also a huge risk for injury, um, to go over more than 30% of your weekly mileage in one individual training run. So I know some people kind of start to panic. They're like, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm only running, you know, 40 miles. So what does that mean? Let's do yeah, that's, I mean, then we're talking 12 miles, but there, there's some wiggle room here. Obvi obviously we would say like, okay, 40 miles, that's really not like a lot if you're marathon training. And so everyone's marathon training is going to look different and you might be doing more mileage cross training. Um, we would like to see if you are marathon training to do more than 40 miles a week. I mean, that would be ideal, but you know, that's not the case for everyone. Not everyone can get more than that. Um, but getting more cross training and doing other things that are prepping your body and making sure that you're going to be able to recover well from this. And if you are someone who's more on that lower end of mileage, let's say you're in the thirties or the forties, um, seeing if we can do more of these back to back long runs, um, and spreading the load over two days instead of just pounding it all on one day. Um, so Jason, do you have any advice there? And like, maybe how does this work for people who really do, um, want to do like that low mileage approach? Like how, how is this 30% rule still kind of applicable to them? Um, and where do you see that most people peak in their marathon training? Yeah. Uh, this is such a complex kind of question. I mean, it, depending on what number marathon it is that you're training for, we may approach it differently. So a first time marathoner, um, obviously there's always wiggle room, like you said, but for a first time marathoner, we might do 
uh, more back-to-back long runs, like you said, and we may only have like one long run over 12 miles, like every, every like two and a half, three weeks. It just depends. Um, and maybe depending on how long your cycle is, you know, if you have a 16 week training cycle, you might only be doing like three long runs over, over that 12 to 13 mile range. Um, and that might be all we do. And then the other weeks we might do like an eight and a 10 back to back or something like that, or like a hard effort, like seven with a, with an 11, things like that. We get creative with your training. Again, it's going to look different for everybody. Um, but the more marathons you have under your belt, I think in the longer you've been able to sustain uh, healthy running, then there's, I think, a, a more of a chance for us to kind of bend the rules a bit for you and to do more of the long runs. You know, obviously the, the 30% rule doesn't give us much wiggle room, but we can go, we can exceed a little bit. And as far as the, the long run each week, I don't, I'm personally, I don't think we need to do a long, long run every single week. I think you could be fine doing like 15 cutback to 11. And then again, your cutback is, is under that rule. So you're safe there. You're allowing your body a chance to kind of re- adapt and recover. And then maybe you go up to 16 or 17 and then you cut back again. Um, or maybe you do do like a gradual bill where you go like 14, 18, and then cut back, something like that. So again, it's going to depend on your experience, your, how healthy you've been, um, what your body can handle. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, this kind of goes into, we're going to do a podcast, um, in a week or two on, you know, the benefits of waiting to do the marathon. So we're saying this rule, like the 30% rule and people are like, oh my gosh, like what? I have to run at least 50 miles per week in order to get, you know, like 15, 16 mile long run. And it's like, yeah. Um, I mean, if you, if you really want to train and, and have the most, um, beneficial potential to run to your potential in this sport and really be able to like race the marathon and train and stay healthy, um, and have like your best shot at running to your potential, then, you know, it might make sense to kind of wait until your mileage is, is up there. Um, there's also some exceptions to this rule. You know, if you're someone who's a master's runner and you have like decades of experience under your belt, you might be someone who is getting away with a little bit less mileage. Um, but if you're brand new to the sport, it can be really hard on your body to just go out there and be like, yeah, we're just going to like pull the plug and we're just going to start increasing your, your long run, even though like you don't have that mileage base to do it. Um, because typically we do kind of see like injuries that happen and, and we've, we've assessed a lot of people's training cycles who come to us after injuries or after being not able to finish a marathon training cycle or after they get stress fractures. And we're always like, wow, you, you were, it, it typically tends to be a drastic increase in mileage or they were doing like way too many long runs too often. And so, you know, when you say the 30% rule, it's like, yeah, obviously there's some exceptions there, but I do think, you know, if you're someone who's running 40 miles per week during marathon training cycle, you know, in that 12 mile range, that's probably going to be where I would put most of your long runs between like 10 and 12 miles, because that's like a sweet spot for you. Um, and then we might go up, you know, once a month to like 15 and then the next month, like 16 and then 17 and then 18, then we'd be done. Um, it just, it really depends. There's just a lot of ways to frame it up. But the idea here is that you don't want to every, every weekend just be like increasing, increasing and going way above that rule because there's going to be so much more recovery time, um, in between that. And you're not gonna be able to get the quality workouts that you need during the week. So ideally, um, most of your weeks would kind of float closer to that 30%. And we might do a couple, um, above that just to kind of get you that experience of going a little bit further. But you know, what's really interesting about this whole thing is that, you know, there are ultra marathons out there that are hundred miles, right? 100 miles long. And so you got to really think like, what does their training look like? And and Jason and I, we know a lot of people who have finished hundred mile races and they, they do these ultra marathons. Um, 
regularly and we watch their training where their friends we we've seen it um on Strava unfold year after year and I'm always amazed because these people do not go longer than you know 20 to 24 miles in a training run and then they'll go do like a 50 50 miler in a race um I don't know like what two, three months out, then they go and do the 100 mile race and they, they never really go more than 20 miles. And it, it, it's flabbergasting for me. Cause I'm like, holy crap, how can someone go, you know, a hundred miles at once without like ever going 80, without ever going 60, without ever going 50, like mentally, it's really hard for me to grasp that. But then at the same time, I kind of think about it like, okay, a lot of it is mental, you know, after a certain point, it gets to be more of a mental thing than a physical. And I the same goes for marathon training. It it starts with the marathon, right? Like there is not really a need to go over a certain amount of time, over a certain distance um, to be able to complete a marathon and feel good doing so. Um, even just this last fall, I hadn't ran more than 17 miles in a single run. And I had one of my strongest marathon finishes. I felt better at the end of the marathon than I typically do. Um, And I think a lot of that just has to do with, you know, mental training and understanding that, like, physically I was prepared because I had the mileage. um, I had the workouts during the week. I had that accumulative fatigue. You don't need to go, you know, 20, 22 miles to feel strong at mile 20 or 22 And often what we see happen is that that people, you know, they want to do these super long runs because they want to feel really prepared for race day, obviously, right? Because it's hard to run 26 miles. And so you want to practice as many times as you, as you can, um, prior to the race. I mean, mentally, that's what people think. They think if I just do a lot of these, I'll be able to feel really strong at the end of the marathon. But what ends up happening typically is that people will do these 20 mile long runs or longer during training and each one will be equally as exhausting for their training. Um, And it almost like wears them down. Like they finish it not feeling great because they went, you know, two miles a little bit further than they probably should. And then it's just like kind of wears at them. Their confidence is a little bit lower because they don't feel great at the end of it. And then it kind of takes them a little bit longer to recover than it should. And so then as a result, some of their workouts are not as great as they should have been. And They end up kind of in that taper point, feeling a little bit defeated and feeling a little bit like, gosh, I don't know. I'm I'm a little like burnt out from doing this. I'm not sure like how I'm going to feel because I didn't really feel great during my training. And then you get to race day and you know, you hit mile 22 and it is hard and you start to face all that mental stuff that you already face in training and go, well, this is how I felt during my training runs. And it can just turn into a negative mental spiral. Whereas if you take the approach that, you know, you're doing long runs, they're maybe two, three miles shorter than you normally would, but you feel really, really good at the end where you're like, oh my God, I could keep going. This is so easy. This feels so good. I could so keep going. That energy is like contagious. And then the next run, it's the same way. Like it feels too easy. Like you're like, oh my gosh, I could have kept going another mile or two or three. Maybe I could have gone an extra five miles. You would rather finish your run feeling like that every single week, week after week into the taper and be pumped at the start line of your marathon, then, oh my God, I did all these twenties and they killed me. And I, I'm just not sure I'm going to feel any different on race day. That mental standpoint and how you feel is insane. And have you ever had an experience like that? Yeah, definitely. I think the confidence going into race day, it plays such a huge 
role because think about when the going gets tough during your race and the mental the tough thoughts start creeping in how do you how do you adapt how do you overcome that and dismiss those thoughts and stay positive well i think it helps if you're confident going in because that's you've learned to do that through your training and um you're not always just shutting down and and being negative about it so i think that that's so key some of my races i'm thinking about here um you know i've probably raced i mean Going into them, I think it's best to be slightly undertrained than it is to be a little more overtrained and burnt out, or because then we're typically associating the negative thoughts with those and and with those training buildups. And so it's very important to have the you know the positive mindset when you go into a race. I'm thinking about some of the athletes I've coached within the last year. You know, the ones that have had successful marathons, they were all super pumped. They all went in with with high confidence. Um, obviously, there's a lot of other factors that go into it with executing a smart race plan and being realistic with goals as well but um and the the races that didn't go so well i think they typically were you know athletes whose training maybe didn't go the greatest or um they didn't have such good long runs and so there probably was some you know some some sort of negativity in the back of their mind even if even if it wasn't always on the surface but um yeah i think that 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 plays a huge role and I, you know, we also have to think about what does the long run do to us uh, on, from a physiological standpoint. Um, and you know, anytime we're going over two hours, roughly, and again, this depends on the athlete. Elites can get away with going a little more, but and the the better trained you are, possibly a little bit longer as well. But you're depleting the muscles of your energy storages by at least fifty percent when you hit that two hour range. So um, if you're going more than that um, consecutively week after week, or, you know, maybe two or three times a month, you have to think about what is that doing to us on the, in the long term and, and as far as re- recovery. And so that's why I think, like you said, that 10 to 12 mileage a week, most people can do that and roughly under two hours. And so I think that that's kind of a sweet spot. And then that doesn't derail your training for the rest of the week. So you get your workouts in. Um, and so I think that that really is the key and to success and to training smart for a marathon. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's so much that is kind of unloaded there. And I think the biggest takeaway is that mileage and the compilation of the entire training cycle is really important. Um, not just focusing on, you know, the, the twenties and, oh, I, I got five 20 milers. And it's like, if you can be consistent over a four to six month period of running week after week, 40 to 50 miles a week, um, with, you know, a two, two and a half hour long run every other week, um, you're going to be so prepared for that marathon. And, and I think, you know, a lot of the plans out there that you get for free online kind of have, have put into the running world, like, oh, like this is how you're maybe supposed to train, but just because something's out there on the internet as an image that says marathon training plan, um, anyone can create those, right? Like just because it's out there doesn't mean that that's like the correct way to train. Um, if you look at Hansen's method, which is extremely popular, um, for those of you who don't know, can you give a little bit of ba- background about like what Hansen's is? Yeah. So Hansen's uh, is, uh, yeah. yeah, it's the Hansen's project is their brothers out of, uh, I think Detroit, Michigan, and they basically started kind of, a um, an elite, um, training group where they, you know, they have a store as well. So the runners get to, they receive a stipend and they, they get their living arrangements paid for and they work in the store and all that. And they get to travel and do races and they try to, you know, they go to the races where the prize money is and, and all of that. So they had a number of athletes, you know, like Deslin and ran for Hanson's Brooks. And so, um, basically, yeah, their approach, they wrote, they wrote training, um, that you can find online. And I think it maxes all runners out at about 15 miles for the long run. So, 
Yeah, it's 16 miles a week for the long run. But really what they did, they're more of an elite-focused group, right? So Des Linden used to run for them. Austin and won it. Um, it's a very elite group. A lot of people, you know, OTQ, and it's it's just kind of like this group out of Michigan that's pretty elite. Um, they don't. They didn't really spend a lot of time working with people that weren't elite. But you know, a couple years back, maybe I don't know, a decade or two ago. The guy decided to write a train plan for, you know, more of like a recreational competitive runner um, saying, you know, like, yeah, Hanson's elites obviously run 20 miles a week because if you go and look at more of the science behind it and we'll kind of talk a little bit more, um, you know, it, it only takes them to run 20 miles if you're running like seven minute pace. So is that like two hours, 20 minutes to run? So just think as a listener, two hours and 20 minutes, that probably takes you what to 15 miles, 16 miles, maybe. Right. So it it's a different um, it's just thinking more about time on feet. And so they came out, they came out with this recreational competitive running training plan. And basically they said, you know what, best bet for you guys is 50 miles a week with a 16 mile long run. And people were like, what? And it was, it was almost the first time that anyone had ever heard of such a thing. They were like, why would we not run 20? And it was the first time like that common logic kind of got questioned. And and I think, you know, taking a deeper dive, like they had reasons in place and the biggest one being, you know, they wanted to cap a long run at, you know, two hours, 30 minutes and three hours. And so if or between two hours and 30 minutes and three hours. And if you look at other people like Jack Daniels, who is the creator of the V dot calculator, which is pretty much what every single running coach uses ever like for paces. So anytime you have paces anywhere, chances are they got those paces from a VDOT calculator, which was created by Jack Daniels, who was a scientist and like a physiologist. And he worked specifically with runners. Um, he has books published and all of this. And he basically said that there is not a benefit to running over two hours and 30 minutes physiologically. I mean, this guy has done studies on it and he basically was like, don't run over two hours and 30 minutes. He's like, cap your long run two hours, 30 minutes, which is Wow. So, you know, that's, that's pretty extreme, right? Um, other scientists have come out and said, cap it at three hours. And so there's kind of a, a little bit of a debate out there. So between two hours and 30 minutes and three hours is kind of where you want to cap it. Um, you know, so if you're listening and you're like, okay, well I run, you know, nine minute pace, let's see what, what would that be for two hours and 30 minutes. Um, yeah, that's 16 and a half miles if you run nine minute pace. I mean, if you're running 10 minute pace, that's 15 miles. Um, so maybe that's causing a little bit of panic for some people. Like I can't possibly marathon train that way, but it's like, have you ever tried doing it? Um, I am someone that has tried doing this method. Uh, and I think it works. You know, I I've used it. I've felt stronger than I ever have on race day. I use this method with all of my athletes, um, who will be open to it, obviously, because, you know, you have to balance, um, the mental confidence with, you know, the physiological, whatever. But a lot of my athletes do not run more than 18 miles, um, in their training cycle build up to a marathon and they all PR, they all feel great on race day. Um, so I think it's just really important to understand that just because, you know, for a really long time, they said that 20 mile long run was so great or whatever. And you saw it on Google, like <coughs> images, marathon training cycle, that doesn't mean that that's scientifically um, what makes sense. And I guess kind of going back to like the history of the marathon, Jason, like when these training plans first got developed, you know, back in like the 60s or 70s, what was like the average marathon finish time like? And, and what was kind of like the average runner? Like what did they look like? What what sort of times did they run back in like the 60s and 70s? And how has the running culture kind of changed since then? Yeah, I mean, I would say if you're running a three-hour marathon back then, you were definitely considered close to elite. So 
um, for guys like that. When we think about the number of guys now that are running sub two forties, I mean, it's insane how many, and obviously there's so many factors that have gone into that, but, um, the, nobody really ran five hour marathons back then, but so we have, what we've seen is, is a significant increase in the amount of people running marathons. So like, if you take the average time back then, it might've been, it might've been like, I don't know, three hours and 30 minutes. And most people were kind of between that three hours to four hours range. And very few people were under three hours. Well, now we're seeing a ton of people sub three, a ton of people in the threes, ton of people in the fours, ton of people in the five hours and even six hour range. And so, um, because the running, the sport of running has become more popular and, and people have, um, decided to run marathons who maybe are trying to target a five hour time, time goal. I think these training plans have come out that have said, Hey, you know, we really don't need to train the same way they did back in the sixties. Um, this is how certain people should train based on their fitness and based on their time goals. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, back when marathon running kind of became a thing, you know, 80s, 70s, whenever, and all those marathon plans got published. I think most people who were runners or running back then who would do the marathon, they pretty much, it was like, you ran under four hours. It was, it was almost like expected. Like most people were in the three somethings. Um, now I think the average marathon finish time for a guy is like 4.30 and like for a woman it's 4.45. So, the training is going to look a little bit different just because the time on your feet is different. And, you know, someone who's training for a 330 marathon is someone who's in like 430 shape. It's going to look a little bit different. Um, and so those differences are going to play out maybe in the form of mileage. So, you know, someone training for a 330, they might be able to go out and do a 20 mile long run and only take them. Um, two hours, 45 minutes. Right. Um, whereas if you're someone running 11 minute pace for your long run, uh, that could end up taking you well over, um, three and a half, maybe even four hours for that 20 mile long run. And so within a training plan, it's really important to know that, you know, the pace that you're running these things, it makes a difference because running for four hours and running for two hours is totally not the same thing. So you really want to make sure that you're, you're picking a plan that's more like time-based and you can make it fit for you. So you don't want to be running a ton of runs over three hours. Um, and, and some people are like, I run 12 minute pace. I'm not ever going to be able to run a marathon because, you know, three hours, if you're on 12 minute pace, that's what, like 15 miles. And I would say, you know what, use 15 miles as the longest run and you're going to do back to back long runs. So maybe on Friday night after work, you're going to come home, you're going to run for 90 minutes, maybe get, you know, eight miles in, wake up the next day. You're only going to have like that 12 to 15 hour recovery in between, um, which is you're still going to be very tired legs. You're going to go out and do, you know, your two and a half to three hour run. And so those back to back, you're getting within, you know, 20 hours, you're going to be getting close to 20, 23 miles in, which is definitely a lot. And I think people, they get worried because they see, you know, that big 20 and, and they think there's something like mental about getting to that 20 mile mark. But really physiologically, there's different ways to kind of work in that fatigue load and get you into that marathon shape and ready for 26.2 miles. And it doesn't have to be doing a bunch of these 20 milers. Um, yeah. So what are, Jason, do you ever see like mistakes that you see people make or, um, do you ever feel the pressure personally, just like as an athlete to do a ton of 20 milers? Have you ever got caught in that trap? 
Yeah, I mean, I have because you got to think about the people that are close to my level, they're usually running 20 miles in like two hours and 10 minutes or whatever. And so that's a pretty common thing that you'll see multiple times throughout a training cycle. You might see people get up to 22 or 23 miles. And so it's like, oh, geez, should I be doing that if I want to run, you know, sub 240 or whatever? And and you start to you start to question yourself, but you have to think about kind of what what has worked for you in the past. And I'm sort of an injury prone runner, so I, I want to make sure that I'm healthy. I think that that's the most important thing. So I can have good workouts throughout the week. I don't think the long run is going to magically help my marathon time. Um, I can be just as successful running solid, you know, 16 to 18 mile long runs, maybe the occasional 20 I'd throw in there if I'm, if I'm having a good cycle. But yeah, I definitely have had friends and seen lots of people out there that, you know, they run 20 to 24 miles, but even them, they're, they're running it in two hours, 30 minutes. So it kind of goes back to the time on your feet. And not everyone needs to be out there for three, three and a half, four hours. And so sometimes as coaches, you know, we get marathon, we get these runners who are training for their marathon and they do want to run, um, let's say five hours is their, is their goal. And they also want to run a 20 miler. It's, it's sometimes it is difficult to have that conversation to get them to realize why that they should do, you know, maybe uh, cap their long run at 17, 18 or the back-to-back long runs. But I think you made a valid um, argument as to why. And I think that, you know, all we can do is try it and see if it works for you. Um, if you're healthy, I think that that's the number one goal. So I think that that is the best way to keep you healthy. Yeah, I think a lot of it, you know, it can come boil down to like the number thing. I can have a little bit of like runner OCD for sure. Um, just being an accountant, I, I always was like a huge number person. Um, and so for me, like two hours and 30 minutes, that's what Jack Daniel says is the cap, right? So you know, I said it's between two hours and 30 and three hours, but I really say, okay, for me, I know two hours and 30 minutes is about what I should be doing. And I'm someone who my marathon pace is around like seven, seven I've never actually done that. I've done seven twenty, but whatever. So I, I go out there and I'm running, you know, my easy pace for a long run, eight minute pace and 20 miles at eight minute pace is two hours and 40 minutes. And so I'll say, okay, I'm going to go out and do a two hour, 30 minute long run. And then I get to 18.6 something miles. And I'm like, oh, but if I just keep going for another 10 minutes, I could get to 20 miles. And you start getting all like, ooh, I f- and I feel good. And then it's like all of a sudden, like when I cross over two hours and 30 minutes, I don't feel good. Um, and it's just weird because... I think for me, it's like I, I stretch it a little bit. Like I'll be like, oh, I should I just I'll just hit twenty. I really like to see the number, um, but it just like doesn't help me in any way. So, one thing that kind of helped last time I was training for a marathon was just saying no. Like we're not even gonna we're not even gonna let you get close to that. Like I, I'm gonna say you're going between sixteen and eighteen, and that's it. Um, and so, kind of really holding myself more accountable to that instead of when you start towing so close to 20, uh, it can be a little like dangerous because you're, you're going to add on, like you're going to go. If it says 19, I mean, most people are going to be like, Oh, if I just go 20. So really just holding yourself accountable and understanding that like one mile is not a huge deal and it's training and then thinking about the whole accumulation of the entire week as a whole. So really focusing more on that and like your weekly mileage and the workouts during the week and not like overemphasizing that, um, 20 mile long run at the end of the week. So I guess just in summary here, kind of why you don't need to run 20 milers um, and how to apply this to yourself. So the first we really talked about is that 10% rule and that you don't want to increase your weekly running mileage by more than 10% every week. So if you're someone listening and you're only running, you know, 
20 miles a week. That means you're not going to increase more than two miles every week. You're still going to want to have a cutback week where you run a little bit lower mileage for one month or for one week out of the month. Um, and then you can continue on your build, but you know, you're not going to really get to more than probably 40 miles a week in a marathon training cycle. So maybe it's just time to continue building your base or, you know, check, um, what else you can do there. Uh, the next rule is going to be that 30% guideline. So your weekly long run should not be more than 30% of your total weekly mileage. Um, that's kind of a rule that kind of scares people, but mainly thinking about majority of your long runs, right? So if you want to hit 20 miles, you should probably be more in that ballpark of 60 miles a week. Um, and that's probably not going to be a lot of people. So if you're more in that 50 mile range week, you're probably going to cap closer to, you know, 16 to 18 miles, maybe once. But the majority of your long runs we're talking here should only be about 30% of your weekly mileage because you want to be able to recover well in between and still be able to do a lot of your tempos and quality sessions during the week. And then finally, your last rule here is going to be the long run duration, um, keeping at that three hour cap. Um, so people who are maybe running, you know, more of like a 12 minute pace. Yeah, that might be 15 miles as your longest run. Um, I have worked with people who 13 to 15 was their longest run before a marathon and they felt fine. Um, the biggest thing here is thinking about doing back to back long runs. But the reason for the three hour rule is just because there's a lot of diminishing returns and there is not a lot of additional physiological benefit from going over three hours um, with scientific studies and checking Jack Daniels and other um, physiologists out there. So I hope that this was, you know, beneficial for people. I know it can be hard to get trapped in the competitive mindset of trying to do what other people are doing. Um, and it can also be difficult when you're really focused on that number of 20 and getting to that benchmark, but just encouraging you to kind of think outside the box and explore different ways that you can do your marathon training cycle. Maybe you've done it in the past and you haven't felt great um, at the end of a race, but you have done 20 mile long runs. Maybe it's time to maybe readjust and reevaluate kind of how you're training and what it'll look like. Um, so if you ever have any questions or you want to chat with us, get a week of a trial for free, you can visit our website at www.runforprs.co, fill out the form there, and we can get you set up with a free trial. We can also chat a little bit about your specific um, background and how your marathon training might look like.